1960, a guy by the name of John F. Kennedy won the election to become the 35th president of the United States, bringing the nation into a very important decade. This was also a monumental decade for the NFL, as the Denver Broncos and the Boston Patriots played the first game for the AFL just two months earlier. Many Americans wondered what was in store, having the youngest president ever to be elected to office, and NFL officials wondered what this young American football league really was going to do here. In this episode, we pick back up with Clayton Truder's top suggested books about football, and it all begins with a merger. Welcome to the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. Your host is Arnie Chapman. Football is his passion, and he wants you to come along with him to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board his DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time as we step off for DeLorean, the date is June 20th, 2019, and you're sitting next to me on the mic interviewing Clayton Truder, who happens to be our guest this week again. Last week, Clayton took us through the history of the NFL by providing many book options from five categories. If you have not listened to that episode, I suggest you go ahead and check that one out first. But before we get back into this crazy web of gridiron knowledge nuggets, I want to give you a reminder. Dr. Clayton Truder is a historian and a sports writer. He writes about college football and basketball for SB Nation at Down the Drive and Underdog Dynasty. He holds a PhD in U.S. history from Boston College, and he is the author of a forthcoming book on the history of professional sports in Atlanta. And by golly, he'd love to hear from you over at Twitter. You can hit him up at Clayton Truder. But without further ado, let's finish this thing off right. Sure, sure. And um, speaking of around that same time frame, and you know, we're talking about the racial overtones and the AFL-NFL battle. The AFL was known to be more welcoming to the African-Americans. And uh, the next book that you talk about was uh, competing pro football leagues category, uh, Going Long, the wild 10-year-long saga of the AFL and Words of Those Who Lived by Jeff Miller. Yeah, this is a fantastic book, uh, Going Long. Jeff Miller interviewed over 200 former players in the AFL and put together an oral history, which tells the story of the American Football League from its origins. Uh, in Lamar Hunt sort of coming up with the league on a napkin on a flight to them merging with the NFL to the Jets winning Super Bowl three, It uh, shows you a lot of the just different crazy aspects of this league, which was operating on a shoestring budget, which in many ways innovated the way offense was played with a lot of particularly down-the-field passing, and just shows how the AFL changed pro football. How much do you think the AFL changed it to the point where if it would have never happened... How far along would we be, you think, with the fantasy football, high-scoring, high-flying offenses, or would we still be stuck back in, like, at this point in time, the 90s? Well, I, th- I think I think it's almost inevitable that there was a competing league. You know, you go from the NFL, which had, I believe, 12 teams in 1960. There were, there were 35, 40 cities by then that were capable of supporting an NFL team. It's inevitable there was going to be competition, and the AFL really grabbed the brass ring and um, built a competitive product that was capable of merging with the NFL and succeeding. And eventually, over time, succeeding uh, the the NFL in terms of success. I mean, if you look at the 1970s, the aftermath of the merger, I believe the AFC won eight of the ten Super Bowls in the 1970s. I think the Cowboys uh, winning two Super Bowls were the only NFC team to win in that era. 
Yeah, I mean, speaking of that and any other kind of uh, interesting, crazy facts that came out of that book that you just were, like, blown away with? Well, I think in particular, it showed the way that Al Davis was an offensive innovator. I mean, he'd, he'd worked with the Chargers organization, which helped bring a lot of the down-the-field passing into the league. But um, you see the Raiders developing a strategy of uh, vacillating be- between pounding the ball at the middle and then trying to stretch the field whether it was with LaMonica or Stabler or Tom Flory as the quarterback, um, turning the game um, quite vertical over the course of the 1960s. Are there any books out there that, that you're aware of that go over the uh, the All-American Football Conference? All-American Football Conference, yeah. There's a book, uh, I believe, called The League That Didn't Exist. I think it's called Gary, uh, Gary Webster. Yeah, I've read that a number of years ago, and that was very interesting. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, in many ways, that league was very dominated by the Browns. But yeah, I think there's a there's a couple of different uh, AAFC books out there. That's the one. That's the one I um, I've checked out uh, quite quite a few years back, I believe. Unless I'm mixing, I'm, maybe I'm mixing it up with another AAFC book. But um, yeah, that that's the book I know of with that league. In terms of the the USFL, there's Jeff Perlman's uh, book from last year, Ball for a Buck which really goes into a lot of the crazy antics of the USFL. Perlman's a great writer as it is. He's written, I think, close to uh, 10 typically recent history-type uh, sports biographies or sports histories. And uh, his UFS, USFL book is very colorful and goes into a lot of the interesting characters in the league's history. Are you aware of any of the, well, there's the WFL, but then also the crazy XFL that went out? Oh, sure. I mean, I... Uh, I mean, I'm aware of them. I don't know if there's books about those. I would, I would assume there are books about them. I'm not familiar with books about either of them. I wonder if books about pro wrestling history might be the good place to look for, um, for writing about the XFL, actually, because it was so intimately tied with uh, Vince McMahon's operation. Yeah, that'd probably be a good place. Uh, I mean, I was a little bit, eh, I don't remember how old I was at the time, but just I remember my favorite player was He Hate Me on this on the XFL. Well, he was missing yesterday. I mean, for there was stories about. He hate me being missing, but I guess he was found, thankfully. Wow i I didn't put that in there as a uh, as one of those little drops either. That was that was not on purpose. I didn't know that happened. Yeah, I said Rod Smart is missing, and people were like, "Find he hate me on Twitter." Huh? But he's all back. Everything's good. He's okay. I guess his family found him, and everything's everything's good. <laughs> well, sometimes stories don't seem real, and that's the next category that we transition into. We we talk about the fiction category, and the book that you brought up was "Semi Tough" by Dan Jenkins. Why did you uh, bring that book up? It's first of all, it's a hilarious book. It's um, taboo in certain respects. Some of some of the things it goes into, but um, it. Um, it deals with, in many respects, I guess the kind of locker room aspect of pro football, the players interacting and dealing with each other as, you know, um, often um, as um, fairly uh, wild young men a lot of the time. And it, it deals with that aspect of pro football. Um, Jenkins is a guy who covered covered the game and had seen a lot of guys who've been pro football players and had some sense of what they were like. So it's, it's a very entertaining um, uh kind of a good beach book if you want to check that out. Jenkins recently died and he was a fantastic sports writer. He was probably as well known for his writing about golf as anything. Um, in addition to semi-tough Frank Ford's Everybody's All-American, although really a book about college football is another excellent work of fiction on, uh, on on football. I mean, I guess there's a pro football aspect to it too because the main character plays in the NFL in the book as well. That's a really interesting look 
in particular about what it's like for someone to be a star and then their life after being a pro football star. Um, Pete Kent's North Dallas 40 delves more to almost the expose side of pro football. It's a, although it's a work of fiction. So in particular, there's a lot of these books from the 70s and early 80s that were excellent works of fiction on uh, pro football or the culture of it. Yeah, it makes me wonder, uh, back in the day, if they had radio broadcasts and stories about these, you know, they always called them legends and you had the Big Blue Ox and you had Paul Bunyan, but then you have Red Grange and these kinds of things. And uh, Grantland Rice was just such a, he was amazing with the way that he could put pen to paper and uh, just a different time. I, I'd like to see him write a whole book. I don't, maybe he has one. I, don't, I have no idea. I think there's a lot of compilations in his work would be uh, in my sense. Yeah, and going back to Grantland Rice, the early days of pro football, that's kind of the next category that we kind of transition into. The book that you mentioned was What a Game They Played by Richard Whittingham. Yeah, that's a really excellent, just as much as anything, a compilation of stories. You know, he, Whittingham's book is a, I guess you'd call it an oral history of the early years of pro football in the 20s and 30s. A lot of the guys from that time period, he's talking to Bronco Nagurski and, you know, Crazy Legs Hirsch and all these guys about what it was like when they could fold their helmet up in a bag and you know, what life was like on the road back then. It's a very entertaining, in some ways, like a precursor to, to uh, Jeff Long's uh, Jeff Miller's Going Long. It's um, I think it was really the first book of its kind that really bled around and found these guys when they're still alive in the 70s and early 80s, a lot of them, uh, and had them talk about their experiences. I wish I could go back and talk to some of these guys that played back then and and even just be able to watch it live and that kind of thing, which is a question that I ask all of my listeners, if or my, my well, my listeners as well, but all of my guests. Uh, might as well tell you now, or if you could take the keys to my DeLorean, you could go back in time to any point in football history. You can't change the outcome. Where would you go to be present? Um. Well, I would love to see the 1940 NFL championship game, the um, Bears beating the Redskins 73 to nothing. Um, I'd probably like Washington a little better, but that's kind of irrelevant to why I'd want to see it. I'd be very curious to see George Hallis putting the heat formation into uh, into action for the first time and just seeing how effective it was in that context. So that might be my choice. I'd be very interested in seeing some of the AFL games of the 1960s. I'd love to have seen one of the Steelers-Cowboys Super Bowls. I think those would be the first things that come to mind. Maybe Super Bowl three, of course. Uh, I'm a Jets fan, so that certainly uh, plays a prominent role in our team's history. So if you could actually change the outcome of any game in history, which one would it have been? Oh, I wouldn't change the outcome of anything. Uh, it, you know, it, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little uh, little hesitant to, um, to mess with the outcome of any games. Yeah, you don't want to flap your wings and then create a tsunami down the road? Yeah, I couldn't think of a uh, couldn't think of eloquent words like that to put it. But yeah, I'd kind of I think it's interesting enough as it is without without fiddling with it. Yeah, I mean this is a little bit more controversial. But when I ask this question, sometimes uh, people say, you know, they go back and they take out Hitler when he was a baby. But I said, hey, you never know what else could have happened. It could have turned out worse. We turned out overall at the end better than it could have possibly been. So it's just one of those crazy questions to ask. I mean, it's a it's a history show. Um, I'm, I, I stick to football. Football's complex enough for me. I don't know about the other stuff. Yeah, I I just enjoy watch, listening to like uh, uh, what's his name, Dan Carlin, hardcore history and things like that. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I've heard that a couple times. It's a good show. Yeah. He's one of the guys that really made me want to start a podcast in this style, I guess you could say, podcast as far as going back and really helping people drop them into a point in time and just say, hey, this is what was going on back then. It's not what you maybe realized it was. And uh, this is what led up to how you are nowadays. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I can, I can see that. Certainly. I can see, certainly see the, the influence on uh, the work you've done so far. And the next stop, now, I lived in Dallas for a little bit there. My grandpa disowned me because we're Detroit Lions fans, but I still got to bring it up because you said the book about franchise, The Dallas Cowboys by Joe Nick Potosky. Yeah, if you're, if you're looking for a book that covers the history of a franchise, uh, Joe Nick Potosky's History of the Cowboys, which goes from the team's origins all the way up to the present, is just a, a fascinating narrative, narrative throughout. Whether it's in the era of Landry or in Jimmy Johnson's era or in, or in more recent times, it's it's a fascinating story throughout and the story of how they become come to be seen as America's team and all that. Um, there's another great book about the Cowboys' early history, which is something of a franchise history too, by John Eisenberg, who I mentioned earlier, has a has a book called The Ten Gallon War, which deals with the competition for Dallas in the early 1960s between the Cowboys and the Dallas Texans, the franchise that ends up becoming the Kansas City Chiefs. It wasn't a given that the Cowboys were going to be the dominant force in town. The Texans certainly had uh, certainly had support as well as the book uh, describes. Yeah, and didn't um, at the time. When Lamar Hunt was not given the opportunity to have an NFL franchise, he started his own league and all that thing. And then the NFL's like, whoa, we better put someone back in Dallas. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, a lot of that intrigue is covered in, is covered in um, Eisenberg's book. Do you have any other franchise books besides, I'm going to go ahead and say it, The Stinking Cowboys? <laughs> There's a there's a book and I'm I'm blanking who the author is. Let me look it up. Um, there's a book about the Oakland Raiders called the Rebels, uh, the Rebels of the Bay Area, which is actually a book about the Oakland uh, Raiders um, and the uh, Oakland Athletics during the 1970s, which I read uh, a couple years. Came out probably I would guess um, I would guess it came out maybe four or five years ago now. So the last stop on our journey here with the DeLorean of all the different books and the crazy stories that we have of the NFL, you said that this category is what you call a page turner. And that book is Gunslinger by Jeff Perlman. Why'd you pick this book? Yeah, per a perfect book for the summer. Good thing to bring to the beach and read. Uh, we'll uh, move quickly as you're, um, as you're enjoying the sun and everything. Uh, Jeff Perlman's Gunslinger is a, is a is a biography of Brad Farr, which his pretty wild life in, in from his origins in Mississippi all the way through, starting with the Falcons, playing on the Packers, through the rather bizarre latter stages of his career. And Farr is an interesting guy. His family is very interesting too. There's many many colorful stories in it, which uh, which I'm sure readers will enjoy. And um, I can't I can't think of a better book to uh, it's just kind of a light thing to check out um, as you're getting uh, as you're getting into reading more about pro football. Yeah, and in all seriousness, Brett Favre, I actually liked him a lot. You know, he was an awesome player to watch. But I have to say, you know, I'm a Lions fan. You pick on the Cowboys and the Packers. I, I don't. What's going on there, man? <laughs> you just trying to stop? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Are there any good lions? I don't know. Actually, the paper lion, of course, by George Plimpton. I mean, that you know, George Plimpton going to the training camp and getting thrown around by Alex Karras. I mean, that would be, I guess, the best book about the lions. Um, which I guess, I guess that would be nonfiction. Yeah, that would 
that might be almost a season in the life kind of account because George Clinton, the writer, went to Lions training camp in the 60s. Well, maybe you gave me some uh, fuel for my fire. Maybe I need to write the next great Detroit Lions, the Pride book or something like that. I think that's a fantastic idea. I look forward to reading it. <laughs> okay, well, we'll work into that. Um Speaking of books, you know, that really rounds out our top 10 categories. And I know there was many more books that were involved in there. And of course, I'm going to put them all in the show notes for everybody to take a gander at. And uh, even though this is more about books, do you have like a favorite top three movies or anything like that of, you know, football movies? You know, I think of all the sports, it's it's the sport that I think is toughest to make a movie about. I think in part because pro football has so many different players on the team, it's a difficult um, it's a difficult movie to film because a lot of times a movie it's about a struggle of an individual or a struggle of individuals against each other or people working a couple of people working together. Trying to tell a story of so many different guys, I think is a it's a very difficult thing to do. Um, I guess I would fall back on the, the film of Everybody's All American. It's from 1988. It's got Dennis Quaid and Jessica Lange. Though not as good as the book, I think it's still it's still an interesting film to check out. Um, I guess number two, I would probably put the film version of North Dallas Forty, with uh, which has uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Nick Nolte's in that. That's a pretty interesting movie. And um, uh, Newt Rocking All American. <laughs> I guess my number three, uh, um, my number three football uh, football movie. How about you? What are your What are your big? What football movies are you big on? Um. You know, growing up, actually, the majority of the football movies that I watched would have been less based on the majority of facts. You know what? This isn't even a football movie, but it was very fun. It was really a true football movie, but not in the same sense. The Replacements just sticks out. I don't know why. It was with Keanu Reeves, such a funny movie. In a way, it kind of talked about, you know, the strike seasons, but it really had no overtones with the NFL or football, really, in general. So, but... uh I don't think I've ever seen that. Uh, very funny movie. It came out, I think one reason why I liked it was it came out right around when I was in high school, when I was uh, playing linebacker, and there's this dude on there. His name is Bateman. He is like an ex, I don't know, Navy SEAL, something like that. And anytime he sees anything, he's just crazy and goes after him. Uh, the kicker was some dude from, I don't know, maybe like England or something. He's like a soccer player, and he's more interested in smoking on the on the field. It's very it's a very funny movie. I recommend watching it. It's, but it's not like something that is historically, you know, sound or anything like that. You know, I think boxing is the sport that's best for movies. There've been so many great boxing movies and I think it's because it's, you know, whether it's Rocky, whether it's Requiem for a Heavyweight, whether it's The Fighter, it's the story of the struggle of an individual. It's something that's that one can do in a couple of hours in film. Um it's funny that even though the sport of boxing its popularity has gone down, there are always great boxing movies coming out. Yeah, and I think that's part of because, like you said, it's you can see a person. Normally, it's going to be someone that's going to be down in the dumps, or they're going to be the underdog, or whatever it is. But then that they rise to the occasion and they end up winning. So it's just people want that with their own lives. They can always relate it to whatever they're going through in their own life. Hey, Rocky did this. I can handle it. Or um, man, what's that other guy's name? Oh, I can't remember. With Russell Crowe. Oh, uh, Cinderella Man. Yeah, I mean that kind of thing. Like you can, people can always relate, and it's like, like you said, it's an individual I can relate to, as opposed to there's all these people on the team. I can relate kind of to that one. I can relate kind of this one, and I guess that goes back to uh, another movie I did like was uh, Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington. It it really kind of 
was a good understanding of how teams, there was that segregation, but as a unit, as a team, we come together. No matter what's happening outside the world, football brings us together. And I, I really like that. I forgot about that one. I'll make that my number three. That's, that's, that is a good movie. All right. Edit, edit the list here. Put it on the board. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, movies and all that kind of thing, and it's it's cool because this is the hundredth season of the NFL coming up. Um, is that anything of significance with any of your sites, or are you guys going to be promoting it in any way that you'd like fans to come check out? Well, I'd love people to come check me out on Twitter at c l a y t o n t r u t o r at Clayton Cruder. I write for uh, SB Nation at Down the Drive, which covers Cincinnati athletics. DownTheDrive dot com. During football season, I also write for Underdog Dynasty, which covers uh, small conference college football. Uh, and on my own Twitter, I uh, I write about a broad range of sports. So checking me out on SB Nation or checking me out on Twitter, I'd uh, love to uh, make your acquaintance. And with that being said, are there any other golden knowledge nuggets or piece of information, advice you want to give to the listeners of the show? My advice would be to continue listening to the Football History Dude podcast. It's a great new outlet out here for people interested in the uh, stories of the uh, history of the game. And uh, it's been an honor to be on it. And uh, I'm so glad you exist. (laughs) I appreciate it, Clayton. Uh, I'm glad I exist, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought this guy was a smart dude, considering he earned his Ph.D. from Boston College. But with that advice that he gave to continue to listen to this show, I must say, he turned himself into a modern-day William James Situs. And if you don't know that name, well, I tell you what, you better look it up on my website, y'all. Again, Clayton Truder covered many books on these two past episodes. And if you're interested in checking any of them out or learning more about Clayton, you can head to thefootballhistorydude.com forward slash Clayton Truder. That's C-L-A-Y-T-O-N-T-R-U-T-O-R. Again, that's the footballhistorydude.com slash Clayton Truder. On the page, there are many ways for you to enjoy these books. There's even ways for you to get two free audiobooks from either audiobooks.com or Audible. There's also a link for a free month of Kindle Unlimited. That way you can enjoy these books and many of your other favorite books in any fashion for free. Whatever you fancy, go ahead and take after it. Get some. Go ahead and read them, and for surely, why don't you go ahead and subscribe for free to this show by mashing that little subscribe button in your podcast player of choice. That way you get the hottest, freshest off the press episodes we'll each and every week. With that being said, though, I, I truly do hope that you enjoyed these past two episodes and were able to gain some gridiron knowledge nuggets about various books you can check into from our guest, Clayton Truder. Next week, we start prepping for Hall of Fame 2019. First, we'll take a look back at last year's ceremony, and then you'll learn how this year's Elite Eight were selected. But for now, dudes, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Football History Dude. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice and head on over to thefootballhistorydude.com for the show notes and more information on the history of the NFL. And remember, dudes... Where we're going, we don't need roads.